we call it cold tenderloin because the tenderloin is coding. It's dying, just like going to the hospital. Cold blue, cold red, cold cardiac. That means someone's dying. In the tenderloin, we're dying. That was Del Seymour, founder of Tenderloin Walking Tours and Code Tenderloin. Welcome to Storied San Francisco. I'm your host, Jeff Hunt. In this podcast, Dell picks up where he left off in part one, with his arrival in San Francisco. He takes us through addiction and sobriety, then shares the stories of how he started both Tenderloin Walking Tours and Code Tenderloin. Dell ends this episode with his love letter, not to the city, but to the TL. This podcast was produced in partnership with Represent Collaborative. It's also part of our Small Business September series. Here's Dell. I drove in on 280, which is 6th Street. Uh, drove, came down that freeway, that 6th Street freeway. And within 24 hours, I was a blown out drug addict. And I never used drugs in my life, yeah. Okay. Full blown drug addict within 24 hours. Wow. Do you so, want to talk about any of that at all or? A little bit, you know, because, you know, like I'm in the NA, I'm in the NA family and we have different, different strategies or protocol and the protocol or the group I'm in, we definitely preach, teach, whatever you want to work, don't stir the soup. In other words, we don't, don't relive your past because you'll start, that past will become present if you keep stirring that soup. So I don't dwell on it, but just, uh. Uh, I mean, I just became, that day I became, I was introduced to crack cocaine. It's when I got here and got out the car at Turk and Taylor, I looked around, because when I met that girl on 6th Street, I never came into, into the real Tenderloin. So I still had not seen the Tenderloin. When I got out, out on Turk and Taylor, I thought they were shooting a movie. Because again, I'm from LA, and where they shoot movies on every corner, 24 hours a day, you've been there, you know. Mm -hmm. I'm figuring they're shooting a movie because there could not be a neighborhood like this. It's impossible in a civilized world for there to be a neighborhood like this. You know, I'm looking for the camera. Where's the hell's the, where's the sound trucks? Where's the camera at? Because this is a straight out of the movies. Right. People walking around naked, people walking around doing sex acts on, on themselves and, and just people with needles, not many needles, there's a few needles around and people, it, it, people in drag and people smoking dope and just people hitting people in the head with pipes. All within month, all within two or three minutes, I saw that whole thing. Where are the cameras? Where's this movie? Within, by eight o'clock that night, I was in that movie. Wow. Doing everything I had just seen earlier. Okay, and, and by all means, I don't want to force you to talk about any, or ask you to talk about anything you don't want to talk about, but maybe I'm thinking, maybe can we talk about your sobriety or, or becoming sober? Yeah, well, that was that. Well, we got a flashback uh, 18 years. Okay. So that was 18 years. We, 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 we're fast, fast forwarding to 18 years, which is actually 12 years ago that uh, I became uh, free from drugs. Uh, I mean, I was heavy, heavy into it. Um, so I was at the park where I sell drugs and uh, Bodeca Park. I don't know if you know it. It's, Yep. So, yes, yeah, so I was in that park doing my thing, selling my drugs. And uh, the church comes every Saturday. Different churches come and do their missionary thing, give out clothes and all that kind of stuff. 
And so this particular Saturday, but I always tell all the preachers when they come in, I say, this is my park. I sell drugs here. I don't need all that Jesus and God stuff because it hurts my business. So you need to go over in that side of the park. I'm over here and, and we're cool. You know, I ain't got no problem with getting able to say we went on a problem against you. I said, okay, well, fine, just keep your microphone down because it's not good for business. And so they would all comply. And this one Saturday, the church came in and they had been there before, but they've been in it and 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 they said, Well, they'll um we're here today uh, to do what we do. I said, Okay, you 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 know the rules. They said, but we noticed you wear suits, because I always wear suits when I sold drugs. And we went, we put together and bought you a, a Pierre Cardin suit. Uh, it's close to the size we think. And here, so they handed me the suit, and it was like $359. The tag was still on it. And I says, what kind of fools would buy a dope dealer a $359 suit? These questions are really taken way off the top. You know, these people are crazy. These are suckers. And so I said to the guy there that, um, man, where's your church at? And he gave me the address of it. So I'm figuring I could go out there and get something else from them. You know, if I, they, they bring the suits down, let me go see what's in the safe, you know? So I said, I'll be out there tomorrow morning. And it, it was Saturday, so the next day was Sunday. And they said, sure, we'd love to have you. And I said, yeah, right, you know, talking that, that BS. So I get out there to the church the next morning to see what I could get from these suckers. and. At the, towards the end of the service, everyone like went up to the altar with the, with the pastor. And the guy that gave me the suit, he went up and I walked up behind him and put my hand on the shoulder just to let him know I was here. And he turned around and he says, Dale Seymour. And I said, how do you remember my name? He says, oh man, I, 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 I know who you are. And, 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 and he says, and we prayed together. And that was it. That moment was it. That was, that was the it moment. And the um, pastor asked me to come out the next day. And he says, how's, how's your rent situation? Right then I was living in one of those SROs. And I says, well, I, I, don't have, I only have enough money till tomorrow, but I'm cool. You know, I'll just hang on the streets until I get some more money. And he says, well, how much, how much is a month in that hotel? I said, no, I think about $1,200, $1,300. And then we kept on talking. And then he said, excuse me for a minute. And he, and he walked out to the room. I mean, I mean, we had more or less finished our conversation. He, he, said, he said, give me a minute and I'll be right back. He walked out to the room and came back 10 minutes later, five minutes later with a check for $1,300. He said, pay, get you a room, bro. And I said, what is it? He said, get you a room, man. And it was made out to me. I could have went straight to the bank and, and, and cash it. He, he said, pay your rent, bro. And I said, wow. Well, I, I sat there and just, what kind of people do this? And then the next day he called me and says, come out. And I came out and he took me to men's warehouse and he bought me, he told the man through the credit card up there, give me to him everything, underwear, shoes, socks, jackets, overcoats. And I still got some of those clothes here. And uh, that was it, that was a lot. And I've been with him every since. So this guy uh, really took you under his wing. He, yeah. something about it. Uh, do you, uh, do you mind, uh, the name of that church? Oh yeah, oh, I'm, I'm, I'll shout it out, San Francisco Christian Center. And, okay. and at that time, the pastor that met me was Pastor Joe Tabron, and now he's in Roseville, but I go I go visit him about once every two months at his church. Uh, but I'm still every Sunday involved with San Francisco Christian Center. So two of the guys that intervened with me that day, one of them now is my board 
is on my board of directors, and the other one is my pro program director. Now, yeah, so those are long-lasting yeah. relationships. Yeah. You said that that was about how long ago from now? Eleven or twelve years ago. Oh, got it. Okay, that's the intervention. But then, how did like the actual sobriety process play out? Oh, it, that was the last. That was the last day that I put drugs in my system. Uh, that day, you just quit. I I just I made it. Now, when you quit, and I tell people all the time. There's two different levels of quitting drugs. And no, people don't realize it. Again, that's one of the things that we preach, is that there's the day that you quit drugs and the day that you want to quit drugs. Two different days. So that was the day I quit drugs. I still wanted to get high for three years. I fought it every day. Worst part of my life. Worse than the drug part was the, was the uh, recovery part. And that was, that was oh, man, that was, that was tearing me up. I mean, it was two people in your head fighting 24 hours a day, 24 hours a day. So what I did, I immediately moved to Fairfield, California, far as I could okay. get away, far, far, far away I could get from the Tenderloin. And um, deservingly, because in those three years, it was two times I woke up in the middle of the night and said, hell with this, this uh, uh, sobriety, this drug sobriety, I'm going to get high. And I started putting on my clothes. By the time I got downstairs and got in the car, I said, no, man, we're not doing this. That happened twice. If I was in the Tenderloin living, it would have been would have been just walk downstairs. Right, it would have been over. Yeah. Um, what do you remember then? Um, after you, after you cleaned up, uh, do you remember your first time to go back to the Tenderloin? No, I don't. No, I don't. Let's see. Well, I did. I didn't immediately leave the, leave the Tenderloin because I had to get money to move. I had to get money. To, to get an apartment. I had to get a, a yeah, the moving truck and all of that. Um, I had to get rid of my girl because uh, she definitely couldn't come with me. She was not ready to stop. Mm -hmm. uh, and, I had, and there's no more, no person in the world I love. I mean, besides family, I love more than Sheila Johnson. Uh, and I'll say her name because I love her to death and I see her every once in a while, but we can't be together. You know, and, and, and anyone I wanted to take with me that I want to spend the rest of my life with would be Sheila Johnson, but I can't give them, I'm not going to give up my sobriety for that. So then I guess, unless there's something in between, can you talk about uh, how you started doing the walking tours or, and what brought that on? Well, so what happened um, previously to this encounter with the church, I had, um, been, I was a cab driver. I was driving a veteran's cab. And, you know, as a cab driver, to get your tips up, you become a tour guide. You know, hey, that's, the, that's this and that's that, because you get that dialogue with, with, with the customer. And, and that's what it's about driving the cabs, the tips. I made more in tips than I made in, in, in fares, because I was a good tour, tour, tour director. I told them every building. And so uh, then when I lost my license, well, I lost my insurance because I ran three of those damn camera lights those camera red lights, those automatic red lights. I ran three of them the same day. And so I, I lost my ability to drive. So that put me in deep straits. So I figured out how can I do something that's easy to do with a, not, not a, a big investment, you know, work on my own. And uh, that was being a tour guide. So I said, what neighborhood does not have a tour guide? Tenderloin does not have, no one wants to go to the Tenderloin. Then I thought, wait a minute, people go to Alcatraz. And that's a nasty, pissy-ass jail 
with no one there that you can even talk to, why don't I do it for the Tenderloin? At least you can see human beings. You know, have a same history as history and present as, and it's a lively place. So I said, if, if Alcatraz Tour can do it, I can do it. And that's what, that's when I started doing that. And uh, how long ago was that that you started? That was, I think I'm in my 11th year right now. Oh, wow. So basically the whole time since you, since you recovered, right? Yeah, because I just remember, I was just looking at an article from Mayor Willie Brown as, as his column in the, in the Chronicle, and he, he chronicled my tours 11 years ago, and I think I had just started then. Wow, congratulations. That's, that's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Um, we, won, we won the best of the Bay Contest, I think the fifth year. Awesome. So I want to know, um, you know, with the shutdown, with quarantines, shelter in place, I'm assuming you had to stop right away. Have you been able to to do any anything since rules are changing a little bit? You, no, no I, I don't. I don't want to. I, I mean, with this lockdown that we got for all of our residents, I don't want to disrespect that lockdown by bringing people through the tenderloin right now. So what I've yeah, done right. is, and I'm done and doing, we're doing a virtual tour. So we've done two days of filming and we'll do one more day of filming and then we'll put the package together and then send it out to, to, to my customers. So yeah, so that's what we're doing. That's what we, that's what, and th this might be the same thing because we've done a couple of them already with, with, I did a raw one already and we've used for where, where we, 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 where we play the footage and then I come in for like a 45 minute town hall meeting where we discuss what we had just seen. That sounds really cool. I, I want to do it myself. I have a couple of friends who've done the actual walking tour with you and just- Oh, they have, absolute, okay. Absolutely right. loved it, yeah. My, my good friends and my neighbor, and uh, she, she told me about you, uh, I think a couple of years ago. And I was just like, That's, that sounds cool. It's something I'll do someday. And then now, and now we're shut down, so. Yeah, anyway, no. okay. Well, can we go back and talk about Code Tenderloin, please? Yes, so- How did that come about? How Code Tenderloin, first of all, let me explain something. Code Tenderloin has nothing to do with computers. Uh, the name Code Tenderloin has nothing to do, that was not the original. We call it Code Tenderloin because the Tenderloin is coding. It's dying, just like going to hospital. Code blue, code red, code cardiac, that means someone's dying. In the Tenderloin, we're dying, economically, physically, mentally, everything. So that's why Tenderloin is coding. It's, it's on the way out. So that's why I started it to bring some economic vitality back to the Tenderloin because if we can heal the Tenderloin economically, the people in the Tenderloin economically, then we can, um, then the whole Tenderloin can, 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 can more or less heal itself. So yeah, that's, that's kind of why we call it called Tenderloin. And can you talk about what it is for folks who don't, who don't know what kinds of things that you do or? First of all, Code Tenderloin is, is a, we just got awarded the California Nonprofit of the Year for 2020 uh, by the wow. state of California. So we're kind of- uh, Congratulations. Thank you. Yes, yeah, so we, we, we have, uh, if you go on www.codetenderloin, you'll get our, uh, you get all our information. We got donate buttons, we have volunteer buttons and all of that. So what we do now, we, we have fairly expanded our mission. We were initially into into job readiness, that was our first mission. Then we actually went into coding, and we're doing we do two or three coding classes. Uh, we do um, we do uh, sales uh, tech sales classes, and then we do uh, what else? Oh, we do case management classes, and then we do 
ambassador classes. So we teach you any of those skills. Got it. That's a lot. That's that sounds really cool. Um, I guess thank you because that's yeah you're you're actually contributing and trying to make you know trying to improve not the only people's lives but a neighborhood and that's and we just did oh I think 150 kids they graduated last week from Code Tenderloin in computer readiness um, and then and for them to graduate they had to make a website. So they okay. had to they had to come up with a website to make a web to, to 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 design a website. So they're way ahead of the game now, and we'll be doing That's more awesome. kids this summer. We did I think two to three hundred last summer, and we're just looking forward to more more of this. Are you are those happening now virtually as well? Or yeah, so we do five classes a day virtually, and then right. we have now we during the daytime what we do physically, we have forty two folks that we call care ambassadors out on the streets every day, tending to the needs of the people in our, in our unhoused community. Okay. So our area is basically the entire Tenderloin where we meet and greet. Uh, we don't regulate. We don't, we don't set any rules or laws. We just find out what people need and be able to make them more comfortable in their situations. So we have two safe sleeping sites that we monitor and uh, that's kind of what we do. And we do that Monday through Friday. We're extending that to the weekends in the next couple of weeks. If you had to, if someone said, okay, Dell, set everything else aside and write a love letter to San Francisco, what kinds of things do you think you'd say? Well, my love letter would be about the Tenderloin because that's, that's the area I love. I don't love, I don't love, uh, Noe Valley. I never even go there. I don't. I don't love Golden Gate Park. It's just a park. The beach is too cold. Um, the the waterfront is too cold and touristy. Uh, I love a real city, and that's what the Tenderloin is. It's a very loving community with people at their most openness. Not necessarily their worstness, but they're the most open as you can be in the Tenderloin. It's it's so loving that where you, whatever neighborhood you live in, well, you told me what neighborhood you live in, but in your neighborhood, you don't necessarily know the neighbor five houses down. Right. In the Tenderloin, we know who's in the tent five tenths away. We know every, we know where their get down is. We know what their weaknesses is. We know what their strengths is because we have to interact every day. I need a cigarette today. I can go down five tenths and get one. And I don't just say, hey, sir, can you give me a cigarette? I say, hey, Bob, because I know Bob's name your neighbor five houses down if you need to jump on your car if you were to go down there you wouldn't know his name and the other thing is you probably wouldn't even go down because you pull your triple a card out of your pocket when we go down and get bob and peter and say hey man come help me push my car out of the way so it's a whole different dynamic you know you've been waving at that guy for six years and you don't know his name you don't know if he's married or, or, or what we know everything about our guys that we wave at uh, because we never know who's in need. I got some money today. He'll have some money tomorrow. So I'll share today. You know, we don't even, if we, if we, if we get the term that's called come up and it, 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 in the communities, that mean that, that you got something special, you got something extra, or you got a bonus, you got an award, you got a gift. You spread that with everybody. You don't go back to your tent and just, and just, and just cluster it. You say, Hey man, somebody just gave me a box of ice cream cones. Everyone gets one. Hey, somebody gave me a case of socks. Everyone gets socks. You don't even think about hoarding it. 
Because you know, whenever, you, whatever, you get some dope, let me be clear, you get some dope, you spread it with everybody. Or at least a few other people. It's a, in that sense, it's a true community, right? It's a big commune, commune or whatever, how you pronounce it. It is, a, it is true community in all the sense of it. You know, someone gets in the hospital, everybody goes and visit them. Every, everybody goes and visit them, you know, right. or checks right. on them. Hey, how's Bill doing? Are you going today? Well, tell them I'll be, be, I'll be, I'll, I'll be there tomorrow. It's the most closest, really, it's the essence of community. Right. And, right. and I have to love that, you know, like, 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 like we are, man, and you know we're in the most difficult situation is to be in, yet people basically get along because we know we have to, that 10 is only a foot away. So why would you fight with him? Because you got to look at him a foot away for who knows how long. So we kind of, we can't get along easy. I see people in, in these, in these multimillionaires fighting each other because their tree is shading their house. I mean, going to court, superior court over a tree or, or a fence or parking within an inch of my, of my driveway out in the avenues a neighbor will have the next door neighbor's car towed because it was an inch over the red line. It happens every day in, out in the sunset. We don't do any of that. So your love letter to San Francisco is essentially a love letter to the Tenderloin. Is that love letter fair to, to say? Tenderloin. Yes, yes, yes. Awesome. The most, the most and, 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 and we're, we're not, it's not a neighborhood that I want you to pity, it's a neighborhood I want you to envy because of the reasons I just gave you. That was Del Seymour. On the next episode of Storied San Francisco, we'll get to know Bernal Bee owner Steph Miller. Please join us for episode 34 next week. Music for Storied San Francisco is by Otis McDonald. Photography is by Michelle Kilfeather. The show is hosted and produced by me. Michelle and I have produced more than 120 episodes over the last three years, and you can find them all over at our website, storiedsf.com. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, as well as just about everywhere you can listen to podcasts. Please subscribe to stay up to date on all the content we publish. And if you have any feedback for us, or you just want to say hi, our email is storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Stay strong, stay safe, and stay healthy. <laughs>